Welcome to China Tech Talk, the regular discussion of technology and startups here in China. I am John Artman, editor in chief of TechNote, joined as always by Matthew Brennan, founder of China Channel. So, loyal listeners will know that we were yet again on an extended extended absence. We don't need to necessarily go into the details of of why or or how, but suffice it to say, uh, the coronavirus has brought us back. Out, which is funny because most people in China are stuck in. Over the last few weeks, the 2019 novel coronavirus has really shaken things up in China. You know,、uh, Wuhan, the city, is under complete lockdown. Hubei, the province that Wuhan is in, is under partial lockdown. And we at Technode, we've been trying to figure out, you know, what is actually going on. And how this is affecting technology in China, and we've also been trying to figure out how we can、uh, we can keep working. The good news is is that we are still working, even through what is amounting to、uh, a, actually a pandemic. And I think that that's that's really the the proper word to use when we're talking about the coronavirus. You know, it started off as as these things do. Not a lot of news was publicized.、Uh, the the、uh, Wuhan government is getting a lot of flack right now for how they handled the early stages of it. We, my family and I, we went on、uh, vacation on January seventeenth, and then just days later, after we arrived in the United States, the the news about Wuhan、uh, and the coronavirus started to to really hit the airwaves. And now we are where we are now, where In Shanghai, for example, if you are arriving from outside of Shanghai to Shanghai, they are basically forcing you to stay indoors, like a quote-unquote self-quarantine, for 14 days. Beijing is a little bit、uh, more lenient. Honestly, I'm still a little bit unclear about what their regulations are. But suffice it to say,、uh, the Chinese government is taking this、um, extremely seriously. But at the same time, as we're going to discuss、uh, today, there's go- there are some serious impacts, and、uh, we're we're going to be looking at、uh, some of, some of the winners, surprisingly from from all this, as well as、uh, some of the some of the losers. Yeah, definitely, it's a game changer. It's a huge thing. There's big winners. There's big losers. It's disrupting the entire economy.、Uh, and so this episode, fortunately, like John just mentioned, he's outside China.、Um, I'm also fortunately outside China. Was due to come back in. Similar similar situation to you, John. Actually, was sim- due to come back in for Chinese New Year, spend time with local family, but、um, decided to、uh, stay to cancel that at the last minute. And we'll have to see how it goes with the actual、uh, you know, everything, but you know, fingers crossed the、uh, the situation gets better over time.、Uh, today we're going to look at you know the effects on the Chinese tech industry, right? And there's been a couple of articles、uh, on TechNode around this,、uh, and hopefully in this episode we can we can delve a bit deeper, right?、Uh, I think there's some really really big effects. I mean. First off,、uh, the, the last time that something like this happened, right? To to remind people,、uh, was you know back in two thousand and three for the SARS epidemic. Back in two thousand three, you know, it's a completely different world. I I, I would just arrived in China, I think in two thousand four, so I caught the tail end of it. But it, SARS was a big thing for for China tech as well, right? And if we look back at that historically.、Um, The big thing was e-commerce, 
was uh, Alibaba um, Taobao uh, usage uh, spiked considerably during that time. But I think um, it benefited all of the online uh, platforms as well. You know, people spending more time indoors, they're bored. Of course, where do they where do they go? Uh, one of the places um, is online. But back then, it was really in the PC era, right? So actually, most of China wasn't online. And people weren't going to internet bars. So there was a spike in, in traffic for certain activities, in particular e-commerce. But that was happening from the very, very small proportion of Chinese who owned a PC back in 2003. Today, with everybody having a smartphone, the effects of people having to stay indoors with plenty of time on their hands and nothing to do, uh, not being able to go to restaurants, not being able to go to school, um, not being going to malls or movie theaters, all of those activities, if there is an online alternative, then uh, that's where that activity is going. So this is actually a really, really huge thing for uh, mobile internet services. I think we can we can analyze that a little bit further. Yeah. So I think let's 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 first start with uh, with the losers. That way we can uh, kind of end this episode on a high <laughs> note rather than than on a, on a low note. If we did it in the in the opposite. So I think that that basically you know in in a, in a general sense uh, the the losers are basically pretty much everything everything offline. So deliveries are still happening. Food delivery services are are still happening, especially in some of the some of the big cities, but to a much lower extent. The compounds um, have become responsible for the people living there, and they've and there's been a been a, a kind of a, a spectrum of of strictness that compounds um, have imposed. So, for example, we have we have one of our uh, reporters who um, is actually in. In Hubei right now, uh, she went to Hubei before all of all of this stuff uh, really really got started, and then uh, got stuck there. And so she's staying in a small town about seven hours outside of Wuhan. So she's completely she's very very safe, I would say, not not close to the epicenter. But at the same time, you know, her compound is being very very strict about them going outside. So if they want to buy something, they have to ask like the local community head to go out and buy food for them. In some in some other places I've heard that compounds are not allowing any uh, actual contact between customers and delivery people, so that they actually they have to drop them off. They, the The delivery people have to drop off the food at a special place, and then once they once they've done that, then the people can then the customers can go down and and pick it and actually pick it up. And then of course it's not just it's not just food delivery, but the, then also you know basically. Offline entertainment, uh, including cinemas, all cinemas have been have been shut down, and we can talk about how this is good for some other companies uh, a little bit later. And then, of course, uh, restaurants. Matt, I think you were mentioning that uh, that Cibe they recently came out with a statement about uh, how 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 they're struggling. Yeah, Cibe is um, like a chain restaurant in China, a couple of hundred locations, to my knowledge, and they came out. And said basically um, the government should help them because they only have about three months runway left. Uh, they're paying wages now for staff, and yeah, it's it's pretty grim. Basically, uh, they 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 don't have enough cash to keep going beyond three months. 
And informally, I know from speaking to friends and, and, and entrepreneurs um, who are based in China that um, Sibei's situation is, um, is not unique, shall we say. I think back during the SARS crisis, the, the, the sort of wages that people were receiving were much, much lower um, as a percentage of business cost. I mean, back then, people, most uh, tier two, tier three cities in particular, wages were really low. Today, wages are, have been climbing you know, quite steadily and, and are a pretty decent chunk of business costs. Um, for something like restaurant industry, they would probably, after rent, maybe the largest cost, right? So, yeah, paying all of that and uh, typically something like restaurant industry, they'd also be housing those, um, those staff. They'd be responsible for feeding them. And if any of them get ill, then they might be responsible for that as well. So there's a lot, there's a lot of um, questions there. And another example would be uh, education, right? Offline education. So I, I used to work in that industry for many years, like private education, school chains, like there's no way that classes will be running for the next few months, but they'll still have to pay all of their teachers. So with basically no revenue coming in, the new school term is, is you know, due to start after spring festival. And parents won't be signing up for that. So there's like, there's going to be a lot of very stressed small and medium-sized businesses uh, in, in China. And uh, so it's pretty, yeah, I think there's a lot of questions over how the government can aid those people and, you know, will will businesses be able to survive? Uh, for some of them, I guess not. Yeah, that's 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 really it's a really big kind of question. You know, one of the one of the themes of 2019 was uh, the capital winter. The capital winter. I think that we've discussed it or at least mentioned it a few times on on the podcast. But you know, this is a term that's been bandied about uh, every every so often for for years, and it was never really that bad. Uh, 2019 was pretty bad. There was a, a huge slowdown in in fundings for early stage startups. And, and we saw t- towards the, the middle and maybe uh, Q3 of, of last year, it was getting more and more difficult for even uh, larger companies to, to raise funds. And then towards the end of the year, we saw uh, a lot of the publicly listed companies raising, raising extra money from, from the public markets, uh, through bond flotations, um, and a few other, a few other methods. But now, of course, you know, stock prices are, are tumbling. And, uh, even as we speak, Luck and Coffee, they've been, they've been hit especially hard. Uh, a recent, uh, report published, uh, anonymously, is alleging, you know, massive, massive uh, fraud on the part of Luckin, and that sent their shares tumbling by uh, almost twenty percent on on uh, on Friday. And then, of course, now they've they've responded, and their stock prices are up from from that about two percent uh, from last I checked. But you know, if if we look at you know just kind of the the macro. Effects of all of this. Not only is it, uh, Matt, as you said, you know, going to affect kind of some of these offline, uh, offline small to medium enterprises, but then also some of some of the tech majors and, and startups. It's going to be harder and harder to to uh, to raise money because of all the uncertainty. So on, on the private side, you know, VCs are going to be uh, less likely to invest until until they they figure out what's actually going to happen, and then on on the public side, you know, valuations and, and market market caps are taking a, a big a big big hit. And of course, you know, kind of continuing with the, with the macro look, this is all in the context of China's economy already 
slowing down uh, significantly in in 2019. And Spring Festival is always there's always really Spring Festival always really distorts a lot of the primary economic indicators uh, in in China GDP PMI but then also of course housing as well. So you know basically pretty much everything. Before Spring Festival, a week or two out before Spring Festival, a lot of production slows down uh, significantly with a lot of the migrant workers going back home. And then it takes, you know, up to a month uh, for things to, to get back up to speed. Uh, and now with, with the coronavirus, it's, it, that's going to take um, even even longer, you know, for uh, a lot of a lot of the uh, the major cities, so Beijing and and Shanghai, they're saying that that companies can basically have their employees back to work on the tenth or or the eleventh. Uh, a lot of companies, including Technodes, we are uh, working remotely right now, but then of course we have to be back in the office on the the tenth or or the eleventh. So you know, over overall, this is this is just uh, a big a big big hit uh, for for just just productivity across the board. For, for Technode, you know, we're we're a bit lucky at least you know the the English the English team because we work we can work. Remotely, so a lot of a lot of our work is is not impacted, but you know pretty much everyone else that 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 works offline. So you know you think about you know Matt, like the education industry, for example. My my wife works in education services, and all of their work is offline. Basically, uh, you think of any sales related position, you think of real estate, restaurants, as we mentioned before. All, I mean, all, again. Pretty much everything offline that requires kind of face-to-face interaction, nothing's going to be happening uh, for for the foreseeable future. One of there's a few there's a few British companies, in fact, that have gotten that have offices in in China that have that have they have really really strict rules about uh, people traveling back to China. Basically, if someone works in the China office and they're outside of China, they're, they're, these companies are not allowing them. To return to China, and even within the A- the APAC region, they're not allowing travel between offices. So, it's um, it, it looks it looks pretty bleak if you if you're in in any kind of job that does not that 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 that, that you cannot do uh, you cannot do remotely. Yeah, uh, mentioning travel, uh, you know, Trip.com was one of the articles that Techno put out. Um, looking at them, they announced that cancellations. 10 times the usual rate. <laughs> I'm surprised it's so low, <laughs> to be honest. But they've also like got um, you know, pretty generous uh, refund policies as well now. I think most companies are having to make a show of supporting the country and efforts to you know, get over uh, this, this big thing together. So they've, they've introduced you know, quite generous policies around, around uh, getting refunds because there would be an awful lot of traffic as a, a travel being, being refunded. Train tickets are all refundable as well, right, uh, across the whole national network now. Yeah, it's, uh, but what, you know, going on to the, uh, to the winners of this, um, of, uh, of, uh, of all, all of this, um, we've already kind of touched upon, I think, the biggest winner, which has to be um, enterprise software, right? has to be sort of everyone's working from home. And so many, literally hundreds of millions of people, I guess, are working from home uh, now who may not usually have done that. 
And I, I guess most of them are probably using WeChat <laughs> to, to communicate still, but a lot of them aren't. A lot of them will be downloading DingTalk or, <laughs> or WeChat for work. And um, actually, those have become on the on the Chinese app stores. I think DingTalk has skyrocketed to like number one or number two position in the last few days, uh, indicating you know how that yeah, there's a lot of people now switching over and having to use enterprise productivity software for the first time um, in order to manage their workflow. And China is like kind of famously behind um, the US in sort of two uh, B. Uh, SaaS adoption software, but that you know this this might be one of the legacies of this uh, of this episode with the with the coronavirus that uh, there's, uh, there's certainly uh, you know like I said maybe even hundred plus million people I would guess uh, who are now you know white collar workers and and people well, government workers who who will be maybe using this kind of software uh, for the first time or, or experiencing having to manage that workflow in a very, very different way through, through mm-hmm. software, whereas maybe, you know, they'd be using very traditional systems before. Yeah, you know, when we're looking at kind of the remote trend, let's call it, I, don't, I can't think of a better phrase, I mean, so uh, Technode, we use we use DingTalk for for a lot of our a lot of our uh, admin uh, processes. Uh, the English team we use it for uh, conference calls, just because WeChat you can only have up to nine people in a uh, a group call, which I think is really kind of weird. Maybe Matt, you, you know you know why that that is. But yesterday, so Monday, February third, so we're recording this on February fourth. On on Monday, DingTalk was just not working. For for conference calls and DingTalk actually uh, made a made a public statement on Weibo saying that they were having issues with some of their some of their functions, in particular the uh, the conference call functions, the some of the video video call functions, because so many people were trying were actually trying to 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 use this, and so we can see that that on the one hand. When it comes to uh, business and working remotely, there is this huge uptake. Walk the Chat has a really good article, kind of showcasing some of the some of the winners from this coronavirus uh, pandemic. And one of them, as you mentioned, is definitely Ding Talk. They have a great chart that from uh, aggregating some information from uh, App Annie that shows the historical place in the App Store for Ding Talk. And over the last few weeks, it's been at it's been at number one for um, kind of enterprise and and productivity apps. So it's 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 very very clear that uh, there's a lot of people working from home. There's a lot of people working uh, remotely. But then, kind of the flip side of all this is that there's um, also a lot of kids learning from home. Matt, you mentioned before that you know a lot of the the offline schools are are going to be hit pretty hard by this. But the 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 winner, of course, is going to be online online education platforms. So my my daughter, her school has not started back up yet. We're still waiting on information to to be updated about when they expect her actually back in school. But starting from next week, uh, well, starting from today, they're getting homework assignments on some of these uh, platforms. 
platforms, in particular, in her case, some um, some videos that she has to watch and 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 write about. And then next week, they're going to be uh, doing some live streaming of of some of the classes. And so this is what's what's kind of interesting is that you know you look at not just education, but then also fitness. So Keep is another big winner in all this. Keep is a a fitness application. They which where they have like coaches who can do uh, upload videos and 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 now they're also integrating live streaming classes and things so they've been a huge winner in all this gaming I mean, basically anything that lets you stay inside. But I think it's, it's super, super interesting kind of looking at like work and school. This is a big opportunity for these companies, both on, on the enterprise side, but then also on the ed tech side to really win, win new customers, uh, and win, win new, win new users. I mean, on the enterprise side, a lot of that is coming from, uh, the companies. And so, you know, if Ding Talk or WeChat, WeChat work, even ByteDance's, uh, Lark or Feishu in, in Chinese, if they can kind of bring some of these enterprises, uh, some companies on board and keep them on board after this, this it'll be a huge, huge win. And then this is going to be even even more impetus for uh, a lot of these ed tech companies who, to be honest, I mean, they're not, there's not much, there's usually not much real tech in some of these ed tech companies, but certainly, you know, being able to provide educational services online is going to be, um, is going to be a pretty big winner. Yeah, there's actually a new portal uh, opened up in WeChat. They sent out a push notification to everybody. Uh, well, it's hard; it's always hard to tell if they send, how many people they send it to, but it seems to be many of my friends got it as well. I got the feeling it would be to, to most of the users, the sort of uh, official Tencent health portal, tracking all the data and everything. I know Alipay also has, uh, you know, been it's got a feature in there to track all of that data in real time. But looking at the at the Tencent one, it's actually pretty. They've got a lot of different services in there. They've actually kind of very quickly built out a very uh, sort of lots lots of different services and information and tons of data around what's going on in one place. So the the tech giants have been have been pretty quick to react to this in terms of uh, at least providing uh, portals where people can you know find all the uh, information around what's happening in one place and uh, and also there's been a lot of online rumors right so like health advice uh and dispelling some of the sort of um, rumors that have been going online as well there's been a, a little bit of struggle there around that um i know in the early days on on things like douyin there was lots of uh you know stuff that was going uh viral that was just basically putting <laughs> people to like gargle salt water um, as a solution to, <laughs> as a preventional measure <laughs> oh, uh, for coronavirus, stuff like that. So, but you, I think you would expect all that, you know, that happens uh, all the time in China. Yeah. I mean, you know, the typical, there was, there was one meme, uh, floating around. This is a bit xenophobic, I have to admit, but, uh, I thought, I, th- I thought it was, I thought it was kind of funny because there's, there's a bit of a joke in China that, um, you know, you know, if you're ever feeling sick, you know, you ask a Chinese person, you know, you tell the Chinese person, no, I'm not feeling so well. One of the, one of the, the rote responses is, uh, well, you just need to just drink more, t- take a rest and, and drink more hot water. And so there was a meme floating around. On WeChat of of someone pouring a, a cup a mug of 
of hot water. And uh, the caption was, China found the cure to the uh, coronavirus. And so I, I think I think that's it's it's a it's a an interesting kind of indicator that on the, that there is a lot of kind of I mean in China especially you know there's there's a lot of uh, attention paid to health uh, it's and it's particularly from from older people and so you know they, there's a whole channel and there's a there's a lot of different shows talk shows mostly about how to stay healthy and different remedies for this that and the other thing and so it's it's really not surprising that uh, that that a lot of this stuff gained gained traction on on Douyin. Because a lot of the remedies that that we see through these these kinds of uh, talk shows and things like that, they are based in uh, traditional Chinese medicine. And traditional Chinese medicine, I think, you know, at least from my own personal opinion and experience of it, there's some stuff that definitely makes sense, and there's some stuff that definitely does not make sense. But I think that for for a lot of people, it's it's very difficult to kind of to separate separate the wheat from the chaff and uh, from from all that. And Douyin is kind of the perfect vehicle for good information and and bad information. You know, my daughter, for example, um, she well, we don't let her use Douyin, but uh, her friends definitely use Douyin, and they use it for a lot of instructional kinds of things, like how to make slime, for example, or how to draw a picture or something like that. And so, you know, Douyin definitely is is one of those platforms. Um, now, now, funny enough. So there was some misinformation coming out on on Douyin from a lot from some of these uh, creators, and then uh, Ten Cent just a couple of days later creates a fact checking website, basically uh, dedicated to debunking uh, some of the some of the information that was spreading on Douyin. And so I thought that was that was really kind of interesting because it's basically uh, Ten Cent is taking taking you know a very a good opportunity to to keep keep kind of poking at at ByteDance. And and I, I guess from their perspective, hopefully bring some of that some of that to the regulators' attention, and maybe after this is all over, ByteDance will will uh, will get a call, and uh, and they'll have to figure out you know if if there's going to be any consequences for some of that misinformation. Well, speaking of Douyin, I think they have been a, a winner uh, overall over this spring festival period, and they've taken advantage of the fact that. Nobody's going to the cinema and um, did a deal for one of the big titles, one of the big movie releases for the Spring Festival this year, uh, which the English title is Lost in Russia. Uh, the Chinese title is uh, Join Ma. It's, it's, it's not actually a very good film, to be honest, but um, this is one of the, in, in my <laughs> humble opinion, but um, it's a pretty average comedy. But I did watch about five minutes of it and then turned off. So, um, but it, it's, been, it's streaming for free across all ByteDance's uh, platforms and has been promoted very heavily, actually, um, particularly on Douyin. And why is, why, why is this mm-hmm. important is, um, number one, I think it's interesting that, uh, you know, the effects of this virus, it's interesting that the, this deal was done so quickly, right, that um, this was going to be released in the cinema and people were actually going to pay for it. And then quickly they worked out a deal where they would just, uh, stream it exclusively online for free in order to recoup the costs of of, of making the, of producing the film. But we wouldn't usually associate um, full length feature, you know, premium premium content, right? Like a big spring festival blockbuster being streamed on a short video platform, right? This is usually you would expect that deal to happen between um, ICE uh, or Tencent Video 
possibly Yoku as well. Uh, one of those longer sort of traditional Netflix type uh, platforms would be where this happened. But this year, ByteDance swooped in and got this title and did this big deal. Um, it seems to have been a success. And I think it's interesting because you would really, you know, the content on short video platforms has got longer and longer over time, starting from 15 seconds, moving up to like uh, one, one or two minutes, moving into like sort of five, ten minutes. But now you're getting full-length feature films also, and people are experiencing that content, streaming that through a short video platform just shows how it's really kind of moved upstream. I don't think anyone would have thought that Douyin would be streaming full-length movies uh, you know, a year ago. Well, certainly two years ago, maybe even a year ago. I, I don't think people would have expected that. So quite, quite, a, quite a bold move. Yeah, quite a bold move. And if we see more of that, then we could actually see that Douyin starts competing with those longer form uh, video, you know, Netflix-like Netflix mm-hmm. ch- uh, channels, which is really quite incredible. You know, to be clear though, it wasn't just wasn't just Douyin. Also, Tencent, Tencent Video, and ITE also had a Hong Kong uh, produced movie called Enter the Fat Dragon. Now, I, I don't, I don't watch Chinese films these days just because disappointment, too much disappointment in in. Uh, Previously, but um, but to to watch Enter the Fat Dragon, it was twelve RMB on Tencent Video or or ITE. So it is interesting. I mean, to see that that they 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 took a slightly slightly different strategy from from ByteDance with this one, where they actually did charge money for it. Now, you know, twelve RMB is uh, less than two dollars. Let's say a dollar dollar and seventy five cents, give or take. So it's not like it's it's uh, it's a lot of money, but certainly they they were able to uh, to monetize that, and I do think that that you know with with ByteDance, one of the big things that that we're looking at uh, in 2020, kind of one of the themes for for our coverage is ByteDance as as a as a disruptor. So you know they started off with you know text content with Toutiao. Then they moved into a short video with uh, Douyin and and TikTok, uh, and then they're moving, as you said, into longer form stuff. So not just feature films, but but also vlogging. Uh, so video logging, kind of, uh, or video blogging, I suppose. You know, something that's been quite popular on on YouTube for for quite some time. We're seeing a lot more of it on Instagram as well. So they're 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 and and. So it's so again, it's not just it's not just the video, but it's also the games, and search is a big big area as well. They've they've uh, recently launched uh, an e-commerce uh, solution. They're launching. I'm not sure if it's actually live yet, but they're they're working on a recommendation as a service uh, for app developers. So you know they're they're really going from from uh, from strength strength to strength. But we kind of we kind of talked about this a little bit, I think, in a, in in our last episode actually. So maybe we don't want to cover this too much, but ByteDance, you know, as as much as I have uh, philosophical issues with their products, I, I do have to admire them for their ability to to really just kind of go where uh, the market takes them and really capitalize and, and dominate in, in the areas that they that they do uh, put their focus on. Yeah, well, maybe to wrap up this episode, you know, predictions. For moving forward, yeah, we've seen we talked about the winners and losers of uh, of things so far with the virus. How long is this going to last? Uh, is is a key question in everyone's mind. How long will this disruption last? How long will this continue like this? Um, is a question that everyone seems to be asking. 
Yeah. So based on based on media media reports that that I've read, we're lo- we're looking at peak reported infection rates probably sometime in in March. Basically, as more people come home. Uh, things maybe start getting a little bit back to normal. There, there is an expectation that you know we still haven't seen the worst of it in terms of uh, infection rates. So that's that's definitely going to going to be impacted. Um, information that I'm getting from Cecilia, my my daughter's school, is that they might not even start actually asking children to be back in the classroom until until April or May. So I think that, you know, it's, 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 it's the, the government, you know, is taking this extremely seriously. And I, I mean, looking, looking at impacts, I mean, we, we could see it could be until June or maybe even July before things are, are, are really, really back to normal because this virus is highly contagious. Uh, extremely contagious. There's still there's still a lot of uh, conflicting reports about uh, infection vectors, but from what I understand right now, it's not only through you know the air, it's through you know mucus droplets, through sneezing and coughing. And here's the thing, guys: in China, people don't have the habit of covering their mouth when they cough. Um, so if they're not wearing a mask and they're coughing, that's pretty bad. But then also. Uh, the, it, another infection vector is through the through your eyes, and so if you touch an infected surface and then rub your eyes, you could possibly you could possibly get infected. Uh, and then there there's been some reports. I I'm not sure if this is true or not, but there have been some reports that you can also get infected just just through the skin. So if you touch an infected surface, if you touch a person that has the virus on on their body or or on their clothes then you could just get it through through the skin uh which is one of the reasons why um hazmat suits are are 100% necessary for anyone working on the front lines for this when we came into korea 3 or 4 days ago you know they were uh there were some people working on uh quarantining people who were flying in from china and they were wearing hazmat suits well not not hazmat suits but you know the full body the full body uh, suits to protect them. So, I mean, again, I, I think that it's this is this is definitely something where we really can't underestimate the speed at which this virus propagates. And there's a lot of questions about whether or not this might turn into uh, a seasonal, uh, a seasonal uh, pandemic where every every once in a while, um, you know, kind of like the flu, it just it just makes it round. It make, makes the rounds. And if that's the case. That's 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 pretty scary, and uh, it's going to have even longer-lasting impact. Yeah, June, July um, sounds reasonable. I, I would guess if we're lucky, things will be back to normal by April, if we're lucky. So we've got at least a quarter. The whole of Q1 is going to be affected by this very heavily. Oh, completely. Yeah. But I mean, I would say I would say April is probably a bit over overly optimistic. You know, sure. basically all public events and and gatherings of lots of people are not going to be allowed uh, until probably May. So if you look at you know the events industry, if you look at maybe even the the cinema industry, uh, the retail industry, I mean, we could be looking until until May before a lot of these restrictions are are, are lifted. Jesus, crazy. What a <laughs> what a way to end the episode. There we go. <laughs> Hi, no. 
That is nuts. Uh, yeah, so we, we we tried to end it on a high note, but I think I think that with something this serious, it is it is quite difficult. You know, it's um, certainly for for me, it's uh, it's really kind of I think you know it's a, it, kind of an interesting wake up call a, about China. You know, here on on the podcast, we've been I think pretty big boosters of China tech um, and kind of the 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 place that China is is kind of assuming in terms of um, innovation leadership. But you, but it's also a very strong reminder that you know China is still in many ways a a developing country. And because of that, you know, on the one hand, with the uh, with the heavily centralized nature of the government, they're able to respond quickly to these kinds of emergencies. But then also, you know, it's also very decentralized, uh, which means that you know these kinds of um, outbreaks are more likely to happen than they are in in developed countries. You know, you're not going to see you know bat to civet to to human. Outbreaks in in a place where there are no wet markets, you know, where people are not hunting hunting bats and hunting civets and, and things like that. So, I think that this is it's it's kind of a an interesting reminder that that China still has a lot of a lot of weak points, and the medical industry is 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 a big one. And there we go, folks. <laughs> So uh, I think that uh, apologies again to our our, our faithful listeners uh, for taking so long, for being gone for so long. You know, life life just happens. Uh, you know, Matt's super busy with a lot of the stuff that he's working on. Technote is keeping me extremely busy, which is which is a good thing. But we will try to be we will try to uh, do a better job of uh, publishing, of recording and publishing more regularly. As always, if you enjoyed the episode. Uh, we would really appreciate it if you left us a review on iTunes or on the Google Podcast app as well. That helps us when people are are looking for content like this, when they're interested in China Tech and they're a podcast listener. Uh, reviews help kind of push us up to um, to the top of those search results. So that's super super helpful. And you know, if you have any direct feedback, you know, please reach out to us on on LinkedIn or on on Twitter. Uh, those details will be in the show notes.